episode of Talking Force. Today we have a really special guest in Julian Jenkins. Julian brings a wide range of experiences both as a player in the NFL, but now also in a senior position at NCSA. If you don't know what NCSA is, this is going to be a great informative talk for you, not only to figure out what's going on in the college recruiting and uh, landscape, but also what's going on in the developmental space as well as these two worlds converge. So without further ado, Julian, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, obviously, I appreciate any opportunity. Um, uh, and you never know who's out there that's listening. Um, and so uh, if, you know, a student has an interest, a parent has an interest in playing college sports, they are going to get some great information today uh, coming out of this talk. Um, I obviously appreciate, you know, any uh, partner of NCSA college recruiting. Um, and I, I, you know, was reading up on everything, um, that you've done, everything that you've accomplished and, and, you know, and, and, you know, your partners as well. And, you know, I just want to say thank you, right. You know, you are kind of on, on the cutting edge of technology that's like, you know, changing not only d different teams, uh, but changing athletes' lives and like elongating and extending, you know, their their careers, uh, you probably more than they even realize that they're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I think for all of us, we get into this field or we get into this profession because of, you know, something that happened to us growing up. And, and I'd love to hear your story um, because it is unique, both on how you came up, how you grew up. Um, and then also to how you got professionally into this space. And I think too, I'd love for you to kind of touch on kind of the mission of NCSA. And then also, how is that different than the local person who's going to go get you a scholarship? Um, you know, if you follow, you know, these things, it's a guaranteed thing. I think that myth needs to be addressed. And I'd love to talk about some of those. But let's start with just how did you get here? How'd you get to where you're at? Yeah, um, you know, Thomas, you know, you know, again, for those out there listening, my name is Julian Jenkins, um, you know, former uh, NFL player, former um, college captain uh, at Stanford University. Uh, but before all of that, you know, I was a, a, a 15 and 16 year old man, you know, playing uh, high school football, basketball uh, and, and, and running track and field. And like every uh, major football player out there, their first love was basketball. Uh, and they'll probably admit that as well. Um, you know, I learned about the potential of recruiting um, as a 15-year-old traveling around the country playing with a team called the Georgia Stars and the Atlanta Celtics out of Atlanta, Georgia. And we had a guy on our team, uh, uh, Thomas, named Kwame Brown. Uh, who ended up being the number one draft pick in the NBA right out of high school at 6'11". And so I got to see, um, you know, firsthand uh, a Mike Krzyzewski uh, out, of, out, out of Duke um, and a, um, a Coach Izzo uh, from Michigan State, like coming to games to watch this guy play. But I also learned about recruiting and the realities of recruiting and the realities of getting evaluated, getting an honest evaluation in recruiting because when Kwame Brown would be in those games and, you know, those coaches would be taking notes in the stands and they'd be pumping their fist and, uh, and writing things down in their notebook. Uh, and then he would come out of the game at 6'11 uh, and, and head to the bench. And I would go into the game as the sixth or eighth or ninth man 
uh, and those coaches would get up, Thomas, and they would leave the gym. Did they come there to see me? No. And so with that, um, the coaches that did stay, uh, that wasn't the Duke, wasn't the Michigan State or the Louisville. It was a Mercer. It was a Davidson. It was a Lipscomb. It was a College of Charleston that did stick around and watch me and came to tap me on the shoulder. So even though I went on to play football in college and at the pro level, uh, it was basketball that taught me more about recruiting um, and got to travel the country, right? Going to tournaments in, in North Carolina and uh, St. Louis and Vegas and Madison Square Garden, man, it it, it just, it verified, you know, not only my, uh, you know, my passion for the sport, uh, but also uh, helped me understand what the expectations were as well, that you're not, you know, going up to uh, uh, Madison Square Garden at 16 years old with your mom spending thousands of dollars uh, and laying an egg, right? You don't have a choice. You need to come out here and compete. You won't win every game, but you need to compete uh, because there's a lot at stake. Um, and so I hope this, you know, student athletes realize that uh, in the digital age where a coach may view and follow them on social media, may send them a direct message, a DM uh, through Twitter, uh, may message them through NCSA College Recruiting, through our app. Um, you know, I hope they, they understand it's real. You know, the digital touch is just as real as that physical touch. It's just it makes it a lot easier for a college coach um, to evaluate uh, and to communicate and to communicate. Um, I also was raised by some professionals. And so I did have a little bit of an advantage, I, I would have to admit. Uh, you, you know, my father won two Super Bowls, uh, one with the 1972 Miami Dolphins, the only undefeated team uh, in the history of the game. Uh, they're being honored with their 50th anniversary uh, this Sunday. So watch the Miami game this Sunday, guys. Um, you know, if you are listening, because him and his teammates, uh, Larry Zonka, uh, uh, Larry Little, uh, Mercury Morris, and all those guys are being honored. And the other professional in the household was my mom, right, who had to try out for and interview for uh, uh, all of the positions that she got from age 10 all the way to 22 as a professional ballet dancer who graduated high school at 15 uh, and went up to New York uh, to dance with uh, the Dance Theater of Harlem. Um, and, you know, from 15 to 22, before she went to college, was a professional dancer around the world. So uh, growing up, I felt that pressure, right, of, you know, how do I measure up to the excellence of these two people uh, and, you know, the people that have come before me that have done this, right? But I think that they did a really good job, Thomas, of showcasing the greats, right? The, the Jackie Robinsons, the Henry Aarons, uh, uh, um, you know, th those, you know, great players uh, that, that came before me that takes a lot of pressure off of me. Like, these guys did it, right? Like, not by, yes, of course, they had miraculous talent, but also they did it with miraculous effort and enthusiasm, too. Um, so that was that was really, you know, my, my upbringing was was hugely through sports. Um, and so when it came down to the college recruiting side of it, there was no question of, of whether I was going to play or not. It was just where and, and, and where do I qualify? How do I know where I qualify for? And then that process was a little different. Right. So uh, next college student athlete now in CSA college recruiting. Um, 
is a, a digital platform that college colleges come to to find out what they need and who they need in a, in a very uh, succinct and organized place. And, and that's really our number one job is to uh, fill the rosters for these college coaches uh, that are out there that say, hey, I need an outside hitter in volleyball, right, which you were just talking about. Uh, I need a left-handed pitcher in baseball, right? Um, you know, I need a swimmer with these times and these grades. Uh, Julian, uh, NCSA college recruiting team, go find those players for us, right? And we do so uh, through partnerships um, like yourself, and we do so um, through camps and combines. And, 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 and the majority of this is the digital presence where a family is Google searching right now, Thomas, how do I get my kid recruited to play college sports and how do we find scholarships? <clears throat> and, and luckily for us uh, uh, at NCSA, what separates us from any other organization is our people is that, you know, we played and coach college sports and that really helps us not only address the need of those families, uh, but also evaluate uh, their talent. Um, the how, uh, uh, you know, in, in the year 2000, uh, Thomas was the VHS tape right the handwritten letter um the get in your car put some gas in your car and go drive up to that school whether they want you or not you want to hear yes or no uh that that was the old school it cost thousands of dollars to do but that was the old school method and all we knew uh and magazines right you know when people used to read magazines you could look in there and say man, who is the top 50 defensive lineman in the country? Or, you know, who is the top point guard in the country? Uh, and then you could say, you know what? I'm way better than that dude. I got better grades than that guy. Uh, I have a higher vertical uh, or I'm, I have a faster 40-yard dash. Um, and so, you know, that's that that was being evaluated. Whereas now, um, you know, you can go to our website, create a profile, uh, talk to uh, a former college coach, and not only find out, like, oh, is my commitment level uh, what colleges are looking for, um, but my skill set, is my skill set and my video on par? And if not, you know, we have partnerships at NCSA that can help you get there, um, you know, such as uh, IMG Academy Plus and IMG Academy camps uh, that, that, you know, players can go to and, and buff their skills, but also, um, you know, different organizations that we work with throughout the country as well. And, and our people, um, you know, the individuals that will spend one-on-one -on -one time working with the families to make sure they're coached up on what they need to do in the recruiting side, the academic side, and then the performance side as well. I think anyone that hasn't experienced this yet, the whole college process, there, there's the actual athletics component that you've talked about, but there's admissions, there's tests, there's finance, there's what is this school in a city or is it in the country? There's so many things that often it's overwhelming for a family to try to figure out for the first time. And say, even if they have uh, several kids doing it two or three times is a lot different than doing it thousands upon thousands. And I, I think it's definitely changed. I I'm laughing as you're talking about the VHS towers. I remember going into offices and the DVD towers and someone would knock it over inevitably. Uh, and now all that stuff's digital. I remember the resistance to the cloud um, and trying to get coaches to not think that people would take their information. And, and I think it's here. And I think even especially over the last couple of years with the pandemic, with some of the other new advances and sensors and, and images, 
we've seen a really big change and I'd love for you to kind of just give us your your opinion uh, as a professional in the space on kind of what what's really happened in the in the game but then also where's the landscape right now headed so if I'm listening to this you know what are things that I'm thinking about moving forward um, if I'm beginning this process correct me if I'm wrong some of the deadlines are coming up here pretty quickly with November and December being an important time what is just kind of a general roadmap of, of kind of the state of the game so um, going back to the uh, a founding of a program uh, uh, in CSA, college recruiting, um, you know, I, I manage our uh, high school department throughout the country. Right. And so last night I'm at a high school event and I'm 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 just looking at the evolution of all of this because, uh, you know, five years ago, uh, the guy who taught me. Uh, uh, how to wakeboard, right? If you can imagine, Thomas, me, not even me now, you know, me playing uh, professional football at 290 pounds, trying to get behind a motorboat, right? And, uh, and, and wakeboard, it took me 45 minutes to get up on that thing, man. And my arms were, were, were killing me the next day. But yeah, the guy who taught me how to wakeboard, you know, I ended up, you know, with NCSA helping, uh, you know, both of his daughters go on to play college sports and college basketball. One, a Division One basketball player who she played at four college basketball programs, okay? She went to <laughs> – yeah, I know. She went to Pepperdine right out of high school because she, she considered herself a high academic student, right? Um, and then uh, th th she didn't think that it took basketball serious enough, so she went on to uh, Illinois – uh, and this is Thomas the days before the transfer portal, right? You had to have an excuse, uh, to, to get out of that opportunity, uh, to play at the next level, to play at a different school, but, you know, or, and, or you had to sit out, um, you know, the, the, the coaching staff got fired at Illinois. So she ended up back at, uh, uh, in California at Long Beach state. Okay. And she wasn't getting much playing time in Long Beach state. So she transferred to the university of Florida. OK. Um, and, you know, the reason I bring this up is because she ended up getting two degrees working on a third degree. Right. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not a perfect process, guys. It's not a straight line to getting to the college of your dreams. Uh, it's not a straight line to get to getting to the college. That's probably the best fit for you. I would love for you just to go to one school and that be your dream school. You get a chance to play. The coaches are great. You win all the time. But it just doesn't work like that. Now, luckily, her sister uh, you know, uh, figured it out uh, because of what her her, her uh, older sister went through uh, and, and committed to the D2 level of competition where she said, hey, you know what? I, I want to play. I want to get a great education and I want to build a relationship with uh, a team that's going to be together for four years. Uh, and so she got to learn through the errors. Uh, luckily, that family, you know, the second child got to learn through the errors of the first. Um so it, it brings up a couple of points, right? Um, in the fact that there are so many colleges out there that are looking to connect with student athletes that would be potentially a good fit for them, that a family, the number one thing they can't do is sit on their hands and wait for somebody else to do something that they can full well uh, do a lot more on their own. And what I mean by that is initiating putting yourself into the process. You may not know what you need to know or what you need to do in the process, but learn a little bit 
do a little bit and get started it is what initially I encourage families to do. And so um, where recruiting has gone compared to where it was is, and, and let's just use uh, pre-pandemic, for instance, right? I think that uh, when I would go speak to an AAU tournament or when I would have a, a one of my former college coaches at NCSA go speak at a, uh, a football camp, I think a family would take a piece of paper uh, with the information on it, take the information that we shared with the, for the presentation, and they would say, hey, that's really great information. We need to get started right away. We need to create an online presence so college coaches have an easy way to find us and evaluate our video. Um, and we need to start being proactive in communication. Thanks, Julian. That's great information. Uh, and, and uh, you know, then I would see them two or three years later, and they will have done nothing that I asked them to do, right? They didn't set up an online profile or if they did set an online profile, uh, Thomas, that kid was 14 years old uh, when they set up that, that initial online profile. And that information is public to college coaches. So that profile says that that kid is 5'8", 135 pounds. And now that kid is 6'2", 190 pounds as a running back. But a college coach does not know that because he hasn't put any information on there. He's been working his butt off training, right? Going from a, you know, a five flat 40 yard dash to a four, six, four, five, right? He's gone from a 3.0 GPA to a 3.5. But that stuff doesn't matter to college coaches unless they can see it, unless they can experience it, unless they can communicate with that data and that information. Um, so um, I think, now I go into a presentation, a family that has an interest in playing the next level comes up to me after the presentation because what happened during the pandemic is college coaches could not physically get in person and watch players play in person, right? Uh, they had to use a digital recruiting resource to get academic information like you talked about, Thomas, right? Verifying transcripts, verifying the NCAA uh, eligibility center, uh, but also verifying from a distance without having to go all the way to California, all the way to Illinois, all the way to Texas of whether or not uh, a, a student would be interested uh, in their program. They couldn't pull people out of class. They couldn't watch players in person at a showcase or ID uh, tournament or, 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 or camp. And, and so college coaches became so ingrained with technology that they would rather evaluate a player remotely from a distance prior to wasting that college's budget and physically coming and seeing a player that might be an academic dud or uh, is not who they thought he was or she was going to be by the time they got to the program. Yeah, and I think what kids don't understand and families don't understand, college coaches want to talk to people. They want to recruit. They want the best. And there's a... There's an interesting paradox is that no matter how many athletes a coach wants to evaluate, there's a fixed amount of time. And I just, I think that there's a premium on time now. Coaches want to spend an hour with a family versus going to, you know, say 60 families for a minute. And so that investment in that time, your job as you're building your brand and you're kind of putting your information out there is eliminate any of the questions or concerns as you alluded to, wait, height those things will change gpa that will change and so instead of thinking this as a hey i'm gonna post my 
you know, numbers and leave it. It's updating your profile to eliminate those questions because ultimately at the end of the day, this process is objective up front. But then it's subjectively going to come down to how committed are you to the process, both in the recruiting process, but also once you get there on campus. And, I, and I'd love to go even a little bit deeper into what some of those steps are that go outside of the sport. If you love football, if you love baseball, if you love volleyball, that is irrelevant if when you get to college, you don't want to do all the other steps that are going to have to be done to be a successful teammate. So what the trauma that uh you know a college uh sports team and a college coach went through during COVID 19 pandemic it, it you know caused those college coaches to realign a lot of times you know their um priorities right and so you know in kind of you know and ncsa we really try to get in the mind of a college coach more than anything right because we have physically college coaches uh you know in uh, track and field in, uh, uh, tennis in, uh, golf, right. Um, that work for us. Right. And we're very appreciative of that because we have that perspective and can lean on that. And the, there are some myths out there, uh, uh, you know, that I talk to families about every day that we talk to families about every day that we have to quell. Um, and so we talk really kind of myth versus reality, uh, in, in, and I think that's what families uh, appreciate on, on one side of it, uh, on one side of the coin, families appreciate that we break down the myths and show them the realities of the recruiting process. On the other side of the coin, college coaches appreciate that we've had conversations even digitally uh, and over the phone uh, with these families uh, prior to getting uh, you know, to them. So they've already kind of understood the recruiting education side. So you brought up the first myth. Right. Is that a, every family that comes up to my table or comes to one of our webinars. Right. Or, um, you know, reaches out to one of our partners because we spoke to them at a camp and they want to know more information about NCSA. Every family thinks it's always about the data. Right. You know, uh, my 40 yard dash time uh, in, in football. Right. My uh, approach jump in volleyball. Right. Um, you know, and. And, and, and that's and that's a, a good part of it. Right. And getting the performance numbers where, where they align with what the expectations of the college is one facet of it. Right. And it's an important facet. Right. And it's something, you know, full well, is that uh, if an athlete isn't putting up numbers in the weight room. Right. Or they don't necessarily have the speed uh, to compete at a certain level or power to compete at a certain level then coaches or, or, or the stats that go along with, you know, playing point guard at a school like UNLV, you know, it doesn't uh, bode well for that athlete, uh, you know, being evaluated and or uh, being seriously considered for an opportunity at that school. However, the myth is that that's all that matters, right? Or, or my performance numbers, you know, points per game, rebounds per game, uh, how many touchdowns I have, right? Uh, but I remember uh, going through the NFL draft process, right? Uh, being there with my mom and my dad, my agent on the couch, my senior year at Stanford University in a hotel room, you know, five miles down the road and looking at guys that got drafted in the first round that played my same position where I had 10 sacks my senior year, this person had three, right? Where I might've run a, a four, eight, right? This person ran a five flat. 
and, and thinking, well, how in the heck, right, is this person getting drafted over me where I think I'm a better fit for that school, right? So the number one thing is not that stats and all that information doesn't matter. The number one thing the coach is looking for is commitment. Commitment. And they get a sense of working 10, 20 years as a coach of who's going to come and put the work in every day, right? Even in the off season, during the holidays, uh, six, five, six o'clock in the morning. And who's going to do that for four to five years, right? Uh, at the college level. So coaches get a sense of commitment. So when a student athlete or coach sends an email, sends a camp invitation, sends a social media message, and that student athlete just sits on that for weeks or months, or that family kind of looks at that information as, oh, that's just spam, right? The college coach doesn't really want me to come to their camp. They're just emailing me because they're emailing thousands of kids. Yes, of course, they're emailing thousands of kids, but you should still respond to that coach. So the commitment to your sport is one thing, right? So but it takes some time, Thomas, to get to even know a college coach, to get that coach to evaluate your athletic commitment. The first commitment a family has to make is to the process because it is tedious, right? You're going to email, send, send video to coaches. You're going to go to a camp, do really well, get the number one camper award, and you're going to call, email, and, so, and, and send me messages to that coach uh, through social media, and he's not going to answer for one message for one week, for one month, heck, maybe for one year. Uh, and I remember, um, you know, talking to college coaches throughout my process, uh, at, you know, as a 16, 17-year-old. Um, and I also remember that, you know, very small schools were recruiting me early on, right? Uh, and so your Division threes, your D your D2s, your NAIAs, as a 15, 16 year old, those were the those were the first schools to contact me. And then those were the first schools that were allowed to contact me based on the timeline. And so until I received a significant amount of interest, Thomas, and a significant amount of offers from a certain level of competition, were division ones ever interested in, in, in uh in evaluating me and inviting me to a camp and responding to the emails and phone calls I was sending to them. So that's that's really the first piece is commitment. Okay. Um, the second piece, the second myth is that uh, you have to wait for college coaches to contact you in order to be evaluated, or you have to wait until your club coach or your AAU coach uh, introduces you to college coaches. Now, we've gone a long way at NCSA at, because of a program called Team Edition in, in ingratiating ourselves uh, you know, with high school and club coaches. Uh, and AAU coaches and we, we, we especially in sports such as uh, soccer, um, uh, softball, baseball, you know, we've come so far uh, in gaining the trust of those coaches. Uh, but at the same time, a family does not have to wait. Um, the first day of class is freshman year or even as a 13 year old, you can be proactively uh, getting information to college coaches to get evaluated. And I, I kind of look at it like this. There's two different kind of ways to look at uh, you, you know, where you are in the recruiting process. So let's say you're a 14 year old, uh, you're playing uh, at the JV or varsity level of your high school, you're playing club and um, you, you know, you're really excited about college, right? You don't want to lose out on that inspiration and that commitment, right? Uh, because you might have a bad game 
right? You might have a bad season, but that doesn't mean you don't want to play beyond high school. And so what should you do, right? You should obviously create an online presence. You should have highlight videos to be able to share. Uh, and you should start getting organized and put a game plan together. Why? Because at 14, you're in the swimming pool of recruiting, right? Where if a coach puts you on his list and you're 14 years old, you on a list of maybe 50, 100 kids uh, uh, in your grad year, uh, 2026 now, uh, based on your position that that coach might be looking for. Now, if you were to sit on that information, you know, just hoard your video, right? And just, uh, you know, sit on that information until your junior year. Now you'd be in the ocean of recruiting. Not, not, not only are there 50 to 100 uh, student athletes that that coach is considering for your sport and your position, but now you're competing with millions, right? That have already figured it out. You know, they've already got the insider information. They've already been in that coach's ear. Hey, coach, watch my video. Hey, coach, I did such a great job at this tournament. Uh, hey, coach, I'd like to take an academic visit to your school, right? The families have already been testing out uh, their game plan, whether they're using NCSA or not. And so you want to start as early as possible. And there's a couple of dates, like you talked about, Thomas, right? Beginning of freshman year, um, you know, and even as early as 13 years old, a family can be proactively reaching out to college coaches or trying to get on their radar somehow. Um, June 15th, after the sophomore year, um, is usually when most coaches in most sports can call, email, text, reach out to families on social media, right? A college coach is only going to reach out to you June 15th after your sophomore year or September 1st of your junior year if they have your information, right? If they have a way to contact you if they have video to evaluate, you know, whether you look similar to what they're looking for in a kid your age, right? And so, uh, you know, a, a family that's 13, 14 year old, 15 year old, I don't want you to think you need to look like a senior in high school, right? But you need to have the fundamentals uh, and the basic uh, um, performance standards uh, and the academic rigor um, compared to your peers. And that's the pieces that kind of get you on that list for that college coach invited to a camp. Um, you know, they reach out to you through social media, email, text, reach out to your high school or club coach, whatever it may be. Now the NCSA platform obviously makes it easier for those coaches to find you. Right. So if they're looking for players in Southern California, right. Or looking for players in new England, uh, or, or North Carolina, they can type in a zip code, 50 to 100 miles, they can find players that fit for what they're looking for for that grad year class as well. Um, so the biggest myth, uh, yeah, number two, you know, do I need to wait for a coach to contact me? Absolutely not. Will you get spammed by college coaches that want you to come to your camps? Yes. But what you do with that proactive communication is important, right? So at the very least, I encourage families to respond. Thank you, coach for viewing my NCSA profile, my online presence. Um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in your school. Uh, let me know what my next step should be. You know, here's my most updated information. I'd love to get evaluated uh, on my sophomore year video, my freshman video. Please let me know what I should be working on uh, as well to get to the next level, right? Uh, and so I think that that's, that's probably the second myth. And then the third, and along with that, though, I think what you no, just put out there no. is yep. making sure that you're doing it with gratitude, because ah. as you're reaching out, 
you're always being evaluated and it's a small mm. world. Mm -hmm. So just because some D3 coach reaches out to you, says, hey, I'd love to talk to you. You don't poo poo that. You be a professional, you be gracious because people talk. And I can't tell you the number of times that other coaches within the network and whether it was lacrosse or football, they would find, I spoke to that person, they didn't get back, I spoke to that person. And so even if you were to level up because it's a, it's a moving target throughout this process, but regardless of how athletic you are, what kind of grades you are, you can control whether you're perceived as being grateful and humble, or if you're merely just trying to get in on a team, you think you deserved it. I, I, I have horror stories of people we loved, we brought them to the weight room to watch, and they're jumping in into the lifts and they're not allowed to do that, or they're just not getting, and so we're watching. So I think people need to remember, you're recruiting a person as an individual to be part of a community. And if you're not, even if you have the most production, but you don't fit into that community, both at the campus, but also within the network of coaches, you can actually do more harm than good because you went in with intent and you didn't have humility. And I think that's very important for parents and students to remember, you're always being evaluated on all aspects. And, and, and I like that because and that's why I like that there are so many former college players and coaches that work at NCSA uh, to remind families of that, but also um yeah i i would love for every student athlete getting recruited um you know to be able to treat uh, a college coach just like they would their high school and club coach right because you know if you don't treat your high school and club coach the right way what happens you're not playing right you don't get to showcase your talent from college coaches uh if you were to use the wrong language or treat your teammates poorly right you're not getting out there on the court or the field right and so I know that there's stress that goes along with a lot of families put a lot of pressure on themselves from the recruiting standpoint. And sometimes that's where some of those errors or those recruiting injuries uh, come in uh, that need to be rehabbed sometimes. And we, we, we do a lot of rehab uh, at NCSA College Recruiting because of the branding um, that has, you know, been tarnished and or taken away from because, you know, whether well-meaning or not, you know, families have kind of upended their own recruiting process. So, no, I appreciate that. But I also have an example, and I know families will be able to kind of hear this uh, through the through the airwaves, but the first school to ever contact me talking about humility, I wasn't a very humble, uh, like, recruit uh, at 15, 16 years old. And I'm glad that I got to talk to the smaller schools before the big schools ever contacted me because the first school to contact me, bless their heart, the University of the South in Sewanee, Tennessee, I got their letter in the mail, crumpled up the letter, and my mom comes into my room and she says, well, why didn't you tell me this school tried to contact you? It sounds like they're very interested. Mom, look, I'm big time. I'm going to Miami. I'm going to play at the U. I'm going to Florida State. I'm going to Ohio State. You know, maybe Stanford, maybe Notre Dame. Right. If they're lucky. And uh, I don't really have time for Sewanee. Come on, mom. They say they're the Ivy League of the South. How, mom? How? And so, uh, you know, she made me fix my face, uh, fix myself up, put a polo shirt on and some, some khakis and some shoes. And when we drove, you know, three hours from Atlanta up there, they rolled out the red carpet and I was amazed. You know, how much more I got to do on that D3 campus just being there for six hours than I really ever got to do, you know, at a D1 school uh, where the moment is big, 
right? And there are a lot of people vying for those coaches and 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 those roster spots uh, as well. And so, yes, part of humility is being able to realize these coaches put a lot of work in trying to recruit you and being able to respond to them. And you get a lot out of those communications and those responses, right? Like you'll get to find out what this coach thinks about your video by asking them, even if you have a coach that talks to them, right? You get to find out whether or not they need your position by having a conversation with them. And then you get to find out, right, you know, you know, am I uh, a, a, a good fit for this level of competition? Or am I a fit for higher than that level of competition by having honest conversations with those coaches? Um, so to, 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 to that, the last myth is usually, is division one the only option, right? Because that's what I get people coming from my, to my table. And I want a kid more than anything to want to go to the school that they end up going to, right? Uh, and so what we focus on uh, right, you know, right now um, is path to college, right? And so, you know, partners like yourselves, uh, partners like collegeadvisor.com, um, uh, we want to make sure that that kid understands, all right, you're not just going to college uh, to play ball. You're going there for four to five years uh, to get a meaningful degree, and hopefully you can get some of your education paid for by you playing sports uh, as well. So D1 is not the only option. Over 1,800 schools out there, that have sports programs and have funding opportunities. And <clears throat> we want families to understand that their, their way to find realistic options is to learn a little bit and do a little bit. And we're glad that we're a platform uh, and a people uh, that can take students from uh, what I talked to you kind of a little bit at the beginning of the call. We're trying to take students from performance, academic performance, athletic performance, demonstrating their commitment to, to placement. Right. Where we literally help them find uh, a place that they can call home, uh, you know, at the college, at, at the next level. Uh, they may have to talk to 50 coaches, go to 10 camps. Right. Uh, you know, send out, you know, uh, 15, 17 videos to schools, uh, go tour, uh, you know, eight college campuses to do so. Uh, but I, I promise them, uh, uh, you know, your listeners, Thomas, that it's totally worth it. You know, it was worth it that. You know, somebody took a chance on me uh, without not 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 having the perfect scores needed to get into a Stanford University. Football was a vehicle that helped me uh, get in uh, and have an impact uh, on that on that college campus uh, and play even beyond uh, the, the college level. Um, and so, you know, I, I hope that, that people that are listening uh, understand you got to start somewhere. Um, and NCSA is a great starting point uh, that can help be a guide, be a compass. Uh, you know, and, and a light to, to the footsteps that you're trying to take uh, in the recruiting process. I think what people don't understand is just we, we pay for training to get better, to hone some skill or craft. You are going to pay for college, either on the front end or the back end. You're going to pay for it with time. You're going to pay for it with emails. You're going to pay for it in training, or you're going to take out a quarter million dollars of loans and you're going to pay for it one way or another. And when we talk about long-term investment, and I love how you bring up Division Three, Division Two, and One. What people forget is that there are fantastic universities. I think about you know Tufts as a NESCAC school here in the Northeast. You oh man, what, a, why you are graduate you? with a Tufts degree? That's oh, not terrible. And and so are, now now yeah. we go in and we can do something with that. Yeah, I mean you you were barking up the right tree today, man. Uh, my grandfather 
uh, uh, Thomas Wright. Uh, it was his uh, 91st birthday, um, you know, this past week. And uh, he played college football, right, in the 50s uh, at a small little school called Claflin College uh, uh, right near South Carolina State uh, HBCU um, uh, College. And at 46 years old, talk about the, the impact of sports and education. At 46 years old, he went to Tufts Dental School. So not only, you know, you know, were my mother and father a great inspiration, but, you know, granddad, is graduating from dental school at at 49, 50 years old, right? And, and, and take it to the next level. So I think that like, yeah, man, I, I, I again, obviously appreciate you having me come on. Um, I, I get a lot of questions um, about the performance side of sports. And I did have, you know, maybe a couple of questions for you because I go around the country, uh, you know, looking uh, for talent for college coaches, but I also go around the country looking at talent. Right. And so I think that, yes, of course, you know, I, I, academics really do matter. They really do. Um, you know, your performance on the field really does matter. Um, but I also have kids come up to my table that say, I want to play at LSU. I want to play at the University of Oregon. And they don't pass the eyeball test. Right. Or I watch their video and they are not as explosive as a college coach would want them to be at that level of competition. Right. And so it's a very tough position to be in evaluating families. Right. And being honest with them about their performance standard and where they need to be in order to compete beyond where they're at. So how do you, how do you kind of help navigate that for individuals because you do it for pro teams you do it for college teams you do it uh for elite organizations at the youth level how do you communicate that to them uh in a way that you know helps them understand they need to put in the work in order to get results i mean that's a great question and i think people need to understand one thing all sport regardless of what it is is played at speed sometimes things fly into you mentioned football you can be very fast but if you break every time something smashes into you not so good if you are very fast don't do very well getting hit you might be better off on indoor cycling people don't even know where to go where the belladrone in la is people don't know that and so matching your strengths to what you're trying to do at an elite level because listen I am all for lifelong activity you want to play tennis you want to do these things that is great However, there is a reality that the higher level you go, usually when there's more money or more at stake, there's a pruning effect. We talk about when everyone's little, they learn the fundamentals, then there's this kind of chaos that goes on, but at the highest level, there's a repruning where everybody is fast, everybody is quick. So who watches tape? Who takes care of their body? Who's a good teammate? That stuff comes back again, and so when we can see things that we can change, like strength, like body composition, um, you know what kind of band you need to get to, and that's within your control. However, if you are four foot ten and you are a standout Division Five Vermont, not picking on Vermont, left tackle, the likelihood that that if that your game plan is to go to the NFL as a left tackle, that's probably not going to happen. Nor can you make a change. And so, when we try to work with families and coaches, setting realistic expectations of gain, 
uh, gain um, and growth potential for each of these metrics is really central to having an honest conversation. You're very close. You're on the bubble. Your grades are great. You're a little bit slower. We can work on that. Your grades are, eh, you are six inches, six inches shorter than the shortest person they have. Not saying you can't, because remember, probability and statistics is always a shot, but I think families need to have an honest conversation to, okay, now you're in the ballpark. Now you got to do the little things. You have to do the intangibles. And so we've gone through and profiled each of these different sports, each of these positions. And so, as you mentioned, college coaches, they don't want to waste their time on something that's an outlier. So really narrowing those and, and working with facilities that can help you improve those is certainly key to the entire process. But again, we could talk about these things for hours and hours. And, you know, even just tonight, you know, hearing some of your comments on the myths, I think if people can eliminate those liabilities and eliminate some of those kind of low hanging fruit problems that damage their brand in a time where everyone's watching you, I think it can make a big difference. But if a family wanted to reach out to you or an athlete's listening and they wanted to get some more help or information, what's the best way to get a hold of you or someone on your team to kind of take the next steps? Uh, NCSASports.org, right? Or at NCSA uh, through social media, right? Our team is always available um, to answer questions, uh, to have a conversation, um, and to walk families through the next steps. Uh, I'm at Jenkins91, at Jenkins91, my Twitter handle. Um, and uh, you can reach out to me anytime with questions you guys do have. But, you know, obviously, you know, through NCSA, Coach Packet, right, you know, we're appreciative of the contributions that college coaches have made uh, to evaluating our athletes and finding that, you know, they – fit the build of what they're looking for to fill their rosters. But I also appreciate the families, right? Because, you know, this isn't an easy process. It's, it's not always a straight line. It can be a windy road. Um, so my advice to any family, you know, student or, or, or parent listening uh, or coach listening is that stick to it because it's totally worth it. It can be a life-changing transformative experience uh, going from high school to college, going to, youth uh to uh co-curricular to competitive uh you know to champion right so you know Thomas I appreciate the time you know you you've had me come on uh to to you know showcase what we do as an organization at NCSA and uh you know also appreciate you know all of the effort that that you know people like you uh have put in that 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 kept me you know as a high school and a college and pro athlete uh, it, you know, uh, it kept, kept me powered and got me back on the field, man, because the training side of it, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be anywhere uh, without the, uh, you know, the, the, the advancements of performance training, man. So I, I appreciate it. Julian, thank you so much. I'm sure this will be the first of many as we kind of unpack this kind of process for our listeners. Thank you so much. and look forward to having you on again. All right. Thanks again, man. Have a great week. Have a good month.